Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Amen, amen. Uh, Good morning, morning, everyone. Uh, Yeah, just about morning. Uh, It won't be morning by the time we finish this. Uh, so fasten your seatbelts. Uh, uh, mentioned about the English uh, school that we started in Battersea. So Ellis and Holly, they asked us, asked a few of us to come and uh, form a persona. And so I was Stephanos the Greek. And uh, so I, I came into the English school uh, as a foreigner and all of my alter ego sort of came out. And so I do apologize to, <laughs> to everyone that was leading that session. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of fun, but I'm not sure the team did <laughs> with us. Um, yeah, yeah, I am. I will definitely. Um, we're doing, we're right, if, if this is your first day today, we're in the middle of a, a series called Living Free. And we, the basis of, of this series is trying to reveal the truth and freedom that Jesus paid for. And for us to walk in that freedom here on earth. So we're looking at relationships, we're looking at sex, we're looking at money. And uh, we're, we're trying to figure out what does this look like to live free in our everyday context. Um, we're so grateful for the servicemen and women who fought for our freedom. And we, we don't understand what it's like to be free, uh, particularly as Christians in, in a Western context, to be free, to have this service is a privilege where hundreds of thousands of Christians are martyred every year for their faith. And so we never, ever forget the freedom that, that we've got, the physical freedom that we've got here as, uh, uh, as individuals, church. Uh, today, <coughs> I, I'm going to talk about how we can f- be free in our minds with a pre- particular reference to some of the issues that we're facing regarding mental health. Uh, this week and next week, uh, we're going to be looking at depression as a subject. So um, th- there aren't any jokes in here. I'm, re- I'm really, really sorry. I rec- because I recognize this is such a huge topic. And a, a topic like just depression, I'm not going to cover every, everything. Uh, and I reckon, recognize in this room that there'll be uh, people, you're right in the middle of, middle of a, a deep pit of depression. Uh, some of you here, I, I, as I was praying today, I had this sense that were a number of people over here, maybe one or two people, that you're right in the middle of thinking suicidal thoughts. And, uh, and I just, uh, as I was praying for you today, I just felt as though Jesus wanted to just to encourage you and reassure you. We've seen many times here in our, in our church where, where people have come uh, in the midst of suicide and we, we've had the privilege of praying for them. They've come back the next week and the week after, and they've become free. And I, I just want to just say, there's anyone here where you feel uh, in the middle of, uh, you're trapped in, in the middle of suicide, um, there is freedom. There is freedom. I, I know what it's like to have those suicidal thoughts. Um, just over the summer, uh, Viv and the kids uh, experienced me in the car, we were drive, driving somewhere, it took a few hours, and I was just weeping as I was driving, just in the middle of, of some depression. And uh, so depression, it's, it's often said that it's the common cold of our emotions. Uh, eventually it touches everyone. 
And so it would be nice to think that we Christians didn't have dark days. Suddenly we, we take that step of faith. We've crossed the line, so to speak, and everything's rosy. We get a job. We get a husband. Uh, we get loads of money. We never have a dark thought. Um, Um, but looking through the Bible, as, as I've done, looking through the Bible, we see these, these great saints, these women and men who we laud as heroes. And we find that the Bible's full of these individuals who are at times of despair. And if we're going to have victorious living, free living, we must therefore learn how to deal with depression. Because it's either going to affect you or it's going to affect someone else that you know. And so it's one of those realities um, thankfully, being a West Ham fan, I'm kind of used to <laughs> sort of 40-odd years of the desert experience. Okay, definition of de- depression. Depression is a state of existence marked by a sense of being pressed down, weighed down, or burdened, which affects the person physically, mentally, spiritually, uh, emotionally, and relationally. In other words, depression is not a state of mind, but it's a state of being. Um, as I sat in a GP surgery about 10, 11 years ago, and I was diagnosed with mild clinical depression, it kind of shook, shook me to the, to the core that uh, me, uh, I, could be, I could be depressed. But um, in, in that moment of real darkness, I, I began to just learn what it was like to, uh, to cope with the fog, the cloud that, that comes your way. And so I'm dedicating today's talk to, if you're anything like me and you struggle with depression, and so this is dedicated to you. It's dedicated to other pastors that I've heard about and read about who have left ministry because of depression. They've committed suicide themselves because of, uh, because of depression. Uh, and so I'm dedicating this to, to these people. Uh, Viv sent me this uh, picture the, yes, uh, yesterday. Um, she called it a meme, but I don't, I don't think it is a meme. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, and it's a fantastic quote, and many of us can relate to this. My, having anxiety and depression is like being scared and tired at the same time. It's the fear of failure, but no urge to be productive. It's wanting friends, but hating socialising. It's wanting to be alone, but not wanting to be lonely. It's caring about everything, and then caring about nothing. And last one. Uh, It's feeling everything at once, and feeling paralysingly paralysingly nothing. Depression. Uh, According to psychiatrists, the majority of us suffer from, a ser- from serious clinical depression at some point in our lives. Most people never get the help they need. They just fight this battle on their own. I, s- I see that nod. <laughs> Most of us fight this battle on our own. Uh, the biblical faces of depression. Moses, David, Elijah, Paul, the psalmists. Here's a few kind of faces. And studies uh, of those that visit therapy... of these clients will either have clinical depression or some kind of anxiety disorder. Let me repeat. repeat. Depression can be a very real problem. 
many of us here who follow Jesus, we never forget we're Christians. We, we sometimes we forget we're human. We, I never forget I'm Christian, but sometimes I forget I'm, I'm a human being. And so, um, take this. So, David, when he, uh, when he played music to Saul, it soothed his depression. Uh, I'm not a musician at all, but my prayer is over the, the next, um, I'm going to call it 20 minutes, um, that you, your soul will be soothed through this talk. And you, you'll have a welcome mat of hope that God will, will release to you. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a case study of clinical depression in the Bible. And it's right here in 1 Kings 19. Um, <clears throat> when I first became a follower of Jesus, I, uh, it was in the transition from GCSE to A-level. And I turned up after the summer to uh, my uh, sixth form. And I said, I want to do re religious education because I've become a Christian. And... Um, the teachers were all shocked, my friends were all shocked, but uh, I, I, uh, it was one of the things that strengthened my faith. And the teacher at the time, he went to a vineyard church in Feltham, and he, he led the A-level class, and uh, his, our, our text for the two years was one kings and two kings. And so Elijah became the first person that I really studied, and I liked him. He was... Uh, he was absolutely filled with God's power and determined. He was focused on, on bringing Israel back to, back to the Lord. But also he hated religion as well. He hated sort of re religious people. But he, there were moments in his life, and, and we can remember that those of us who have been following Jesus, we, we know some of the stories of, of Elijah. Uh, before we look at 1 Kings 18, 1, uh, 1 Kings 19, 1 Kings 18, uh, records the incredible story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. Um, I love this story. And so I, I wrote my paper on, on this, uh, on 1 Kings 18. He assembled Israel on the mountain and accused them of some kind of spiritual schizophrenia. They were halting and they were literally limping between two options. They couldn't decide whether to worship God or worship the pagan god Baal. So Elijah here, he kind of walks up and he challenges 450 of the Baal prophets to a kind of a theological showdown, a shootout. Uh, he, it's like high noon uh, on Mount Carmel. And he says to them with a kind of glint in his eye, I'll call on God and you call on Baal. Let's see uh, which one answers fire from heaven. As I, was, as I was reading that story and as I was learning about my faith, uh, there was, a, a, uh, there was a, a girl in my year who was training to be a witch. And, um, and I thought, I, let me flex some muscles. And, um, and so my friends sort of heard about my faith and they said, you two should have a bet. Who can, who can bring rain and who can not bring rain? You know, middle of winter. And so I was like, yeah, I could be like Elijah. And so we had this kind of 16-year-old, I, I kind of liked her as well, and so there was a kind of a... <laughs> um, and I said, okay, for in the middle of winter, uh, for this week, I'm going to pray that there's no rain, and you can do your curses and spells to, to bring rain. 
I won. For that, for that kind of seven, those seven days it didn't rain and, and the school were like, what's gonna happen today, what's gonna happen today? Um, I find myself in some of those situations um, regularly. <laughs> Our God is big and he's powerful. And, uh, and so Elijah here, he says, you call on Baal and let's see one, which one answers with fire from heaven. And Baal's prophets, they, they accept this challenge and they set up the altar on Mount Carmel and they begin crying to their God, wailing, but no fire falls. And Elijah's there. Maybe he can't hear you. You need to shout a bit louder. <laughs> but still no fire. And Elijah's like, maybe he's asleep. And so he taunts them. You better wake him up. The Baal, maybe he's asleep. Wake him up, wake him up. Do what you can. And as a final appeal, the Baal, the prophets, they begin to slash themselves with knives. And, uh, and that doesn't work either. No fire comes. One of, my, one of my moving moments is that Elijah, he's on his own. Israel is watching. The prophets are scorning him, cursing him, hiss, hissing at him. And he just builds this altar to the Lord. He digs a trench. He, he spends some time around this altar. And, and he orders that water is poured over it. Twelve, um, Twelve barrels of water are all used and the sacrifice is soaked through. And Elijah prays a simple prayer and God sends fire. Really simple prayer. It's like healing on the streets. We just pray simple prayers and God, on a Saturday afternoon, rain or shine, as it was yesterday, God, send, God sends healing power to people. And so this was a turning point 1 Kings 18 was a turning point for Israel. And they worshipped the Lord and they shouted, the Lord is God, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah, uh, if Hollywood commissioned this biopic, if, if Hollywood commissioned the story of Elijah, they would have ended it here. The blaze of glory, high noon, Elijah wins. It would be a, like a fitting end for such a bold, passionate, courageous, uh, like insurgent leader. But alas, not, that's not the end of the story. And uh, that's not how Elijah ends. You just literally turn one chapter later, from 1 Kings, to 1, 1 Kings 18 to 1 Kings 19, you see a completely different side of this seemingly bulletproof warrior. You see this fragile shell of a man, almost like in a fetal position, begging, begging God to end his life. And as I've looked at... The, both sides. Elijah's depression doesn't just come from one thing. It's not bound up in one cause. Rather, it stemmed from a number of things. And so I want, I want you to notice what, what some of those things. We're going to read the scriptures, 1 Kings 1 to 10. Um, I'm going to read from the screen. Um, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, you may, So may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as the, one, as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She, she wanted to kill him. And he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Bathsheba, where, uh, which belongs to Judah, 
and left his servant there. But he himself went for a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it's enough now, Lord. Take my life, for I am not better than any of my father's. He lay down and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he came there to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left and seek my life to take it away. Okay, let's go back to the first, uh, the first slide. So Eli what I want to do is just, just, I've come up with four F words that Elijah... <laughs> Elijah faced. Um, the first one is a four-letter word, and the first one is fear. Verse three, Elijah was frightened by the, the threats of Jezebel, and he runs from his life. With depression, often fear is always a factor. Uh, many times, like Elijah, we, we become afraid of failure, we, we're afraid of loneliness, we're afraid of not getting the job completed, of not making it through college or school, or not having our relationships or our marriage, marriages go the way we'd like. Marriage go the way we'd like, not marriages. <laughs> uh, as a man, some of, the, some of the thoughts we have as men is we're, we're, we're about to get found out. We're, uh, we're not good enough. If only people really saw what was really going on inside my head. Uh, have I got what it takes? Some of those questions that we face as men. And they're all linked to fear. Uh, and many of us struggle with, uh, with fear. Fear of man, fear of uh, other people. What are people going to say about us? Uh, and exactly the same with Elijah. Verse 4, second one is failure. Elijah held this very negative opinion about himself. He felt that as though that he was no more successful in checking, in taking the nation's apostasy than the prophets who had gone before him. And again, it's easy to think in terms of failure. I'm no good. I'm incompetent. God made a mistake when he made me. Many of us here, you believe that you were a mistake, that you actually you shouldn't have been born. And uh, those, those lies and those, that sense of failure that I'm unworthy, I don't deserve to be alive for some of you. Number three, uh, fatigue, often linked into depressions, fatigue. Elijah, verse five, Elijah was emotionally drained and physically exhausted. And uh, we forget that we need rest and relaxation. We forget we're human and we need a good night's sleep. Depression is always related or, or reflected in our physical condition. Always, fatigue is always related to, to depression. 
And lastly, uh, I've kind of tenuously got an F here, uh, fruitility. Verse 10, Elijah said, almost like self-pity, he had a little pity party in verse 10. He was like, I'm the only one, poor me. I'm only, only, only one left, they're all out to get me. He feels alone, he feels hopeless, and negative expectations that he has on himself. Elijah is paranoid, and he thinks everyone's out to get him. Many, many of us who struggle with dep- depression think that the whole world revolves around themselves and that everyone is watching them and everyone's, yeah, and, but also we're the only ones who really have the, the keys to the Lord or the keys to kind of good character and bringing, bringing the Lord in. I don't know about you, whether it's fear, failure, fatigue, fruitility, self-pity, have you ever felt like Elijah? And perhaps you're feeling like right now, alone, afraid, exhausted. Maybe you're just burnt out. You're literally burnt out or hopeless. Maybe like Elijah, you're just there singing the blues. If so, I want to just say this. You're a great candidate for the juniper tree. You're a great candidate for the juniper tree. And I just want to just hone into this, this juniper tree. Find your juniper tree. I want you to see what helped Elijah climb out of the valley of despair and go on to the lifetime of useful service. His, his future was greater than his past experience. And for some of you here, you feel like your glory days are behind you. Find your juniper tree. Find that place where you can be restored and recovered by God. And so I want to just see what helped Elijah climb out this valley of despair. Um, and I hope it can help you. I really hope it can help you. Okay, let's do that. Okay, I haven't got any flashing words or here, so you're going to have to just remember this. Um, number one, even heroes are human and break down. Remember, you're human. Uh, Elijah is one of those mythical figures in the Bible, someone who has a larger-than-life personality. And the exploits, that when we look at the exploits in our everyday lives, they just seem pedestrian uh, by comparison. And yet here, he's, he's just like us. He's weak, he's feeble, he's discouraged. Uh, the truth is that everyone, every great leader, has one or ten seasons just like this. And so were you. This doesn't make you weird or exceptional. It makes you human. It makes you utterly normal. Know that even heroes break down. Number two, take care of your body. What I love about this is what, what was God's first response? He didn't say a counselling session. He didn't say, go to another small group. You know, what you need is another Bible study. What you need is to come to the evening service. More church. No, God, God brought Elijah a meal. I love that. In all of his working for God, Elijah forgot to rest and take care of himself. Often, uh, and again, uh, forgive me, this is just sounds very simple. Often the first step back to spiritual health is a good night's sleep. Um, for the last three or four months, I've been really struggling with my sleep and been waking up for hours 
and um, I, I hate it. I kind of, you know, at first I thought, Lord, are you waking me up for such a time as this? <laughs> <laughs> if, if only, if only. Um, and then, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd stay awake till about half past six and then be, uh, be up at seven, wake up at seven. Um, the, about three or four weeks ago, I got, we had some, at the Battersea launch uh, team, we got just someone to pray for me. And since then, my sleep's been amazing. Aww. It's been amazing, it's been amazing. And it's made such a difference um, to me. I'm not sure, you probably have to ask Viv if it's made such a difference. Um, but Elijah here, find your juniper tree. Elijah was exhausted under that tree and God sent him an angel and strengthened him. When he opened his eyes, he saw fresh bread on hot coals and a jar of water. The word of God is your fresh bread. The word of God is your fresh bread. And uh, I talked to someone a couple of weeks ago and just said, uh, he was like, give me some advice about what I'm going through. And I said, start with Psalm 1 and just read until something sticks. Start with start Psalm 1 and read. About 10 years ago, I used to work in prisons all, all over London and we would, the, the guys would go back into their cells during lunch. And so I would have two hours uh, of free and so I'd be in prison. So I'd go into the chapel and I'd just read the Psalms. Uh, until something stuck and I would then begin to pray and receive that. Sometimes I'd end up, I'd have to go to like Psalm 45, 46, 47, it would take a while, but read, read the word until something sticks. The word of God is, your, is God's rescue plan for you. The word of God is like freshly baked bread on hot coals and the Holy, uh, and the Holy Spirit is this jar of water that can soothe soothe your heart, soothe that burning in your heart, strengthen yourself with spiritual food and get up where you are. What I love about this is where did, where did Elijah go after? He ran to the mountain of God. He just, he didn't, he came off social media. Uh, you see, social media, it's just infinity. It never ends. It's, you know, what's happening today, I was, endless it never there's never completion so you never you've kind of trapped in this i need to catch up I need to catch up with everything elijah he he got off facebook he got off instagram and he just ran to the mountain of god um, we measure success number i don't know if there's a number here number three we measure success by the wrong metrics particularly london western christians we measure our success yeah, uh, 1 Kings 18, he's, <laughs> forgive me for that noise, 1 Kings 18, <laughs> I even shut myself, <laughs> 1 Kings 18, you'd think he'd be celebrating this iconic moment in the scripture, you think Elijah would, that would kind of keep him going for five years. All of Israel had turned their back from the false worship of Baal to, and embraced Jehovah. But Elijah considered himself a failure. One chapter later. And so God reminded, when, when God took him up to the mountain, uh, and we have this picture of he, God's not in the storm, he's not in the loud, he's not in the thunder, he's in the stillness. He's in that voice. 
God reminded uh, Elijah through this series of the natural phenomena that, um, that he is sovereign, not in the big stuff of life, but in the small stuff as well. Uh, business women and men get down. Pastoral leaders get down. Students get down. Children get down. Teenagers get down. We know people in our offices, in our homes, in our, in our families who get down. At times, we're also pulled down. Um, uh, find your juniper tree. Number four, I, I just want to challenge a few people here. We're not indispensable. Elijah, he had this kind of martyr mentality, this superhero mentality, and it's really common in Christian circles. I'm the only one who cares, Elijah. It's all on me. Uh, I, I've got to pray. I'm the only one that can really pray for this person. And any, nobody else is as devoted as me. Uh, God destroy, what God was doing was destroying this faulty thinking uh, by reminding Elijah later on in that chapter that there are 7,000 other prophets. <laughs> Elijah's in this kind of singing the blues. I'm in this pity party. I'm the only one. And God's like... Actually, there's 7,000 other people I can use. God could have easily raised up someone else for the job. And that's with us as well. The entire sovereign plan of God doesn't depend on our feeble, clever efforts. Thankfully. Thankfully. Praise God. Okay. I'm going to give you one thing that's really, really helped me. And I, as I've got the mic, I'm going to strongly urge you to do the same. As I sat in that GP surgery and the GP wrote out a prescription for me, I, I began to go to the God and go, what do I need to do? And um, I, I'd seen the hand that I'd been dealt with. And I'd seen that there, there wasn't really much in that hand. Um, but I just went, I'm just going to push all of my chips in and go, I'm in. I don't know what you do with pokey, you just say, all in, all in. I'm going to go, I see my hand, there's not much there. I see my other hand, there's a prescription for antidepressants, but I'm just going to go all in. We're just going to push all of our chips in and go all in for God. Elijah got back into the mainstream of life and went on to work again. Um, the great, I was reading this this week, the great uh, psychiatrist uh, Menninger was once asked by a Newspaper reporter, suppose you think you're heading for a nervous breakdown. What should you do? Many of us, I, and me, I, I would have thought the great psychiatrist would have said, see a psychiatrist. But he said, he said this, and I was fascinated by it. Go straight to the front door, turn the knob, cross the road, and find somebody who needs you. Don't sit around... Uh, this is my words now. Don't sit around in isolation. Don't get all wrapped up in yourself. Don't have your own pity party for too long. Get up and get back into the mainstream of life. Um, uh, I had a friend of mine uh, about seven or eight years ago. He, he phoned me up on a Saturday about 12 o'clock, Saturday about 12 o'clock. And he said, Steve, I'm, I'm considering going to the nearest bridge and committing suicide. Um, he was in London. Uh, I didn't want to tell him that that probably won't happen in any of the bridges on the Thames. 
Um, you might die of poisoning, but, um, but I, and I just listened to him and he told me, tell me what's going on. And I said, listen, before you do that, come along to HOTS. Come and, meet, come and meet with me at HOTS and then afterwards we'll have a coffee. And uh, he said, but I, I'm, I'm suicidal. And I said, yeah, join the club. <laughs> and so he came to HOTS and he was there and he, he was obviously t in, in pain and tension. And the first person, the first guy that came and sat down, I just grabbed, grabbed my friend and we just began to pray with this guy. And just over that, that course of an hour and a half, two hours, we just began to talk with people. And we have, we have tissues at, at HOTS. We began to, and I was watching my friend talking with other people about their depression and what they were going through. And then after HOTS, he, he just turned to me and he said, just thank you. Hearing other people's stuff has changed my own navel gazing. Um, he's, a, he's a remarkable man. And uh, he's still alive and he's well and he's healthy. And that was a turning point for him in his life. And I, I just want to encourage you, cross the road. Don't get too introverted and in your own pity party. Just cross the road. Find someone who, who needs help and go, and go and minister to them. The rest of 1 Kings, fantastic book. The rest of 1 Kings tells of uh, Elijah's... Uh, he leaves the earth in a blaze of glory. Elijah's whipped his depression and went on to a lifetime of useful service. Uh, at the end of his service, he closed his ministry and God swept him, swept down and carried him up. Do you know the story? Carried him up into heaven in a whirlwind and a chariot of fire. Thank God we can do the same. He can do the same for us. Okay, last one. Um, this is going from David, David really. David, he strengthened himself in the Lord. One thing that you can do to kind of, this is your prescription for the rest of your life. I'm going to, every one of you, you're going to get a prescription today. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Um, when David faced all kinds of trouble and danger, it says in this li little tiny verse in 1 Samuel, you often miss it, 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, it just says this phrase, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. The Bible speaks to depression, which is good news for people like you and me, who often find themselves engulfed in this hopelessness. This verse just shines light into darkness. It gives hope to the hopeless and allows the depressed person to have a God's perspective uh, rather than their own sort of dismal view. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Find your juniper tree. Run to the mountain and meet with God through the scriptures and through the spirit. Um, we've, uh, we've produced uh, some, some uh, scriptures and some words. What I'm going to do on our uh, V61 community on Facebook, I'm just going to attach that there. Um, uh, a few years ago, I ran an anger management course at New Wine, uh, a workshop at seminar at New Wine, and they weren't quite sure how many people were going to come. Um, it was packed. This marquee was packed. Hundreds and hundreds of people who, uh, who wanted to come for help for anger management. 
And this is very, very common. This is very, very normal that people who are suffering with depression, anxiety, fear, stress. And so we're going to just post, post, this, post this here. As you, as you read these scriptures and read these like, declarations, thank God they're true rather than what you feel. Think about them. Pray them. And so Viv and I, we would take some of the, some of the scriptures and just begin every day, three times a day, I would just read these scriptures over myself and declare them over myself. And so we want to offer that to you as well. Uh, the other thing, as we sort of transition into communion, I and uh, I love what Isaiah, he prophesied about what Jesus was going to do for us. Uh, Isaiah 50. This is, this, is, this is about Jesus. I offered my back to those who beat me. I offered my cheeks to those who pulled my beard. I won't hide my face from them when they make fun of me and spit at me. The Lord helps me so I'll not be ashamed. I will be determined and know that I will not be disgraced. This thought when Jesus was here that he, 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 he set his face like flint towards the cross, scorning its shame so that you and I can be free. He offered his back to be whipped and battered and torn apart so that we can be healed. When Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane and he sweat drops of blood for all kinds of depression, headaches, mental illness, he has a prov he's provided a, a way through his blood and through his sacrifice. Why don't we stand? We're going we're gonna to take communion together. And then after communion, we're going to just have a time of worship and ministry where we're going to invite people to come. Uh, as the offering team get ready, about 18 months ago, I felt, I felt God say, uh, make a cross. Make a cross at, uh, on Sunday. Make a cross for our, our services. And I felt him say, he didn't want a kind of a slick, pristine, well-polished cross. I, and I had this picture that this rugged cross, this splintered cross that um, represents you and I. That Jesus, he came not for the, for the, 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 the slickness. He didn't come for the well-polished. He came for those that were cracked and broken, those that were. Jesus set his face like flint towards the cross, scorning its shame, so that you and I can be free from any shame. And so I went to the I went to the timber yard and I said, what's your worst piece of wood? Show me the worst piece of wood. And he said, well, I've got this one bit. We, haven't, we can't get rid of it. It's all battered and broken and cracked. And I looked at it and I was like, it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. And so this cross represents what Jesus has done to free you and I from all of our faults, all of our cracks, all of our shame. So as you come... As you come uh, to the offering. There is some gluten-free options as well. Um, as you come, what we do here is we just rip and dip. We just take some of the bread and we dip it into the, uh, the cranberry juice. And then we, you can either uh, take it there, you can come and kneel before the cross, you can go back to your seats. Uh, but this, uh, we have an open table here. Anyone can come 
and receive communion. If, you don't, if you've never met or encountered this man, Jesus, come forward, grab some bread, dip it in and ask the guys to, to pray for you. Ask them, I'd love to know what, who this Jesus is. Will you pray for me? And I, I just pray for those of us who are feeling depression and shame now. Thank you that you let me waffle on. And I, I just bless you. I, I release freedom now into this room. I declare it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's to break off all shame that Christ has set us free. May you be blessed. Come Holy Spirit. So the, I'm gonna invite the worship band to come up now. And just in your own time, just come as you are, take a bit of the bread, dip it into the juice, and then um, receive, receive this blessing from Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.